0: Hi, welcome back to AusBus, Australia's only live streaming Business and Markets channel. Great to have your company as we kick off the afternoon sessions here on OzBiz, And of course, uh, we always uh, kick the, uh, the afternoon off with the call. Uh, we look at 10 stocks suggested by you and we put them to an expert panel of, uh, of share market gurus. And um, if you're talking gurus... We have put the capital G into gurus today with Mark Ballum from Team Invest. Mark, good to see you. Good to see you, gosh And uh, Scott Phillips uh, from Motley Fool. How are you, mate? Are you well?
2: Good day, you Very well, thank you, mate. I'll take the capital G. I'm not yeah. sure I'll put it, but I'll do that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, let's kick off with our uh, stock of the day, which I always pick. I thought we'd have a look at Aveda Thera- uh, Therapeutics, the regenerative medicine company, uh, recruits the first patient in its significant uh, vitiligo study, evaluating the use of its Resell system to assist with repigmentation. Now, what Aveda Technologies does, it's the spray on uh, skin for bur- burn victims, and they now want to match color and things like that. Um, and vitiligo is the autoimmune disease which affects the outer layer of the skin, leading to the loss of pigmentation. Vita's Resell system is already used, as I said, to treat the burns. Chief Executive Mike Perry says the recruitment of the first trial participant represents a significant milestone in a company or for the company. It's also going to conduct a feasibility study in partnership with the University of Massachusetts Medical School. Um, Mark, what do you think of a beta technology? Now, there's a few of these med techs in this skin mm. regeneration burn area aren't they?
1: there are there are the um it's interesting that uh during the vitilago one because that's clinival you know cuv is right. that's what they specialize in but right. they're not doing a skin tree but they're doing it as a drug uh effect which is actually quite an interesting company we've right. uh, we've done lots of work on that uh, so it's a very prospective area mm. uh, it's, it's difficult for us because we actually uh, only invest in companies that are uh, that have uh, that are profitable. Yep. Um, so at the moment, if you look at the, the, uh, the company, it's very prospective. I had a look at their, um, their documentation, their websites and stuff. And they had lots of graphic photos there of our yep. skin grafts, which looked very scary. Um, <laughs> so, um,
0: yeah, you're a man after my own heart. I married a nurse. She uh, has so a done. much better so stomach done. for that sort of stuff. Yeah, me and too, me too. I hide my eyes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so the problem is I have no uh, idea of the veracity of what they're doing. I mean, it sounds yeah. good. Yep. and with these companies, this type of company, a few of them do really, really well. I mean, CSL yeah. was one of these. You know, yes. you go way back and, and so on. Uh, most don't. Right. You know, they don't survive. The problem is, even if their treatment is fantastic and, and they've got FDA approval for in the US for some some of their products, uh, the uh, resale one, I think. Yeah, and so on. So it has. It obviously has. It's effective, but you've still got to run it as a business. So yeah. whether or not the management uh, who have obviously been good scientists and so on can actually now. Turn this into a business that will give yeah. a long-term return to shareholders. Who knows? Yeah, you know,
0: we yeah, have no yeah. idea.
1: See, so at the moment, the company's market cap is about half a billion. Right. Um, and its sales are $20, $21 dollars a year, it's gross. Right. And then they're losing sixty-one million at the moment. So uh, they're a long way away from being profitable. Um, yeah. So it's very early. So for me, it would be
0: uh, it would be a speculative right. run, uh,
1: one if you were going to do it.
0: Okay. All right, Scott. What do you think of Avita? That uh, share price in the last couple of months has sort of taken off has that it?
2: yeah it's a fascinating story koshi mark's right about the, the the speculative nature of the business but also all our hopes they do actually manage to make a product and make it successful right because if it does then a lot of burns treatment uh, victims uh, a lot of other people with skin conditions are going to be better treated so we can all hope that it's going to do well um but as people say hope is not an investment strategy unfortunately so you shouldn't be buying shares just because you hope the company is successful even if you want to support the idea Buying shares off me is not gonna help the company make any more money or any less money, or if I buy from you, the same thing. So don't buy on hope, don't buy just because you like what they're trying to do. Buy because you think, if you think it's a business with a long-term potential. Now, as a business, uh, Mark's exactly right half a billion dollar market cap shares took off in large part I think from a share consolidation a couple of years ago but equally more recently some good positive news in the more recent past the shares actually dive pretty meaningfully um, as they went to the US Nasdaq in theory to try and raise profile and raise money um, shares have actually fallen since then so make of that what you will I desperately hope this one's successful but it is by definition speculative as Mark rightly pointed out. Is it more likely to win than its competitors? Is it gonna have a sustainable product and sustainable revenue and profits? Nobody knows. We can all hope, we can all speculate, we can all gamble. Those are fine things if that's what you're doing. If you wanna go and throw your two bob on on Avita rather than down at the track, then knock yourself out. But you can't invest in this sort of company with what it does currently. The other thing is, by the way, the number of shares on issue has increased 50% in the last two Mm -hmm. years. So a lot of these companies, even if they are successful, if they've got to raise capital three, four, five times before that, the early shareholders could still be diluted so meaningfully But even if the company is finally successful, early shareholders can still basically lose most of their shirt, not the whole shirt, most of the shirt, uh, simply because the number of shares on issue gets increased so dramatically that whatever profit is made has to be handed around to so many people, you may not get your money back.
0: Okay, all right. Let's move on to the uh, stocks that you've suggested. And Scott Ravi uh, wants a view on Brambles, the big uh, logistics company, a global logistics company, um, famous for inventing the chip pallet. Which uh, revolutionised uh, freight and transport around the world, didn't
2: it? It did, and I've unloaded my share of those during high school working at a grog shop. Uh, plenty of plenty of VB <laughs> me off off pallets of of ship pallets. Uh, lost of <laughs> pallets to the competitors in, in my time, so more familiar with with ship pallets than I'd want to be. Brambles is a fascinating business, I you know. So here's the thing: the share price is the same as it was five years ago, and you got to say to yourself, how in this world of increased global trade, increased um, package deliveries, you know, so much going on how is it possible you can't deliver something that grows your share price over a five-year period? Now, sometimes that's just because investors paid too much five years ago. That's possible, I suppose. Um, in this situation, though, the P is still 22 times. So it's kind of it's not, not exactly like it's come down to some you know, great you know, value level just because the profits increased but the market hasn't noticed. Paying 22 times earnings for a business that hasn't shown meaningful growth. I, this is one of those companies that you look at it and say, how is it possible? These guys can't be making more money. And yet they're not, and, and I don't claim to know mm. all the ins and outs of the pallet business. Maybe it's just too complex. I know for sure every few years I seem to write off, you know, a decent stack of pallets because they can't find them again. Uh, that's part of the problem, I'm sure. <clears throat> and there's no value. Maybe it's hard to value in pallets. I imagine that's also true. Whatever the circumstance, if a business can't show you some degree of growth, particularly in this sort of industry, it's a brave person who says, you know what, I'm going to buy it now because maybe, just maybe, they'll finally find a way. So I'd be giving this one a wide berth. You'd like to think yep. it is successful. It's one of those Australian companies that should be able to go to the world and do well. Thus far, hasn't been able to demonstrate that. Mm. I think you're a brave person if you believe it's going to change sometime soon.
0: Yeah,
1: okay. Mark? Uh, yeah, I agree with all of that. Um, yeah. the, the other thing to add, and the big issue, as Scott rightly pointed out, is the PE ratio is 22. Right. Their earnings growth has been minus 2% average for the last six years. So if you look at 10 years, wow. it's flat. Right. So uh, um, they just haven't grown. Yeah. So 22 PE infers uh, a level of growth. Yep. in earnings, I would think the effect of that having a high PE and low growth means your returns lower. So we're showing it returning. Six, uh, sorry, we're showing a target price of. Uh, $6.88 at the moment, if you want to get a 10% return. Right. Uh, now, from a PE point of view, that would bring it down to... what's well, currently uh, oh, 10, yeah. so it's down about 40. Uh, and so that, that didn't be... even drop so to it, that in March. It would need to come down it? to something like 12. Right. Now, then it, it's, uh, at, a, at an appropriate PE for the growth, right. then you can get a reasonable return. Right. Because it's a solid company. It's actually been going since uh, 1954. Oh, I've been
0: going a long time. 54, so but, a year before I was born. But as, as Scott was saying, though... Um, you know, trade. We're a big trading yeah. nation, and being trade has been booming in this country. So, how come a, a logistics firm? Well, it's, can't it's, make it growth? doesn't compute really, and yeah. I, 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 don't
1: under, I don't know the business in detail either. Because at Team Invest, we basically spend all our time on the companies that look really good. Right. <laughs> right. So, so, and this is not one this, of this them. This is actually oh okay. This is what you call a mediocre company. Right. That's too expensive. Right. Yeah. Okay.
0: All right. Uh, thank you for that suggestion, Robbie, and uh, really good analysis from both Scott and Mark there. Um, Mark, Maddie wants a view on ARB. Now, they're the, uh, the big motor vehicle accessory business. If you've, if you've got a four-wheel drive or you've been off-road, I bet you've had your four-wheel drive pimped at uh, ARB at some <laughs> <You're> stage. <pimped>. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, they're in Australia, the US, Thailand, Middle East and Europe. Um, a family business that listed, and the family's still very much involved.
1: Yeah, the Brown brothers. Yeah. So it came from a what often is the background of successful businesses is necessity. Right. So they were keen uh, four-wheel drivers and so on, and they weren't happy with what you could buy for toughening up parts, bull bars, and things like yep. that, and decided they'd start, they'd make their own. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's the mother, uh, the, the, uh, mother of invention. It's a great a, success story. It's a fantastic it? success story. This has been a, a Team Invest Wealth Winner forever.
2: Right.
1: Uh, the only problem with it is, in fact, in fact, going back 10 years ago, John Price, who's our, who developed Conscious Investor, used ARB as an example, excellent company,
2: mm-hmm. uh, as in
1: how they ran it. And nothing's changed. The only problem with ARB <laughs> is it's had very low growth over the last 10 years and it's on a very high P.E. Yeah. yeah. So I know H- Howard's got a, a large position in it, but he bought it ages ago when the share price was really low. Right. So his returns on it are well over 20% compound. Right. But you couldn't consider buying it now because we're showing it returning 1.1% right. per year at the, uh, at wow. the, at the current price. Wow. All the financials are excellent. Um, virtually has uh, no debt or they've got a couple of leases now that are now reclassified as debt. Fifteen percent plus return on equity, ninety-nine percent stability of sales and earnings. So it's a brilliantly managed business, and I think they've done extremely well considering um, what's happening in Australia with the loss of the uh, automobile, automobile industry. Yeah. When what they're doing is they're providing parts for them. Yeah. And they've still managed. They've got. A, they obviously export, and they've got manufacturing overseas. And but they know it. their niche, don't yeah, they? Yeah. It is... They do. They supply a lot to mining in Australia yep. and emergency yeah. services and the army yeah. and stuff as well. So fantastic business, just just uh, way too expensive. Too expensive. yep. Yes. Yeah. So from a price point of view, if you wanted to buy it with a 10% return, you couldn't pay more than $17.78
0: um, um, and it's currently 27 27 yeah, yeah. that's a big fall, isn't it? Look at we that. It. That's a very impressive one year graph. Uh, Scott, what do you think of ARB?
2: I'm going to agree with Mark on almost the entire uh, entire summary, but then... Oh, it's a the bit. almost
0: is the, is oh, the sting in yeah, yeah, the, the tail that, uh, there.
2: Uh, he said right so the history is the history and the price is expensive those things are absolutely yep. true and if you're going to use history then you can't buy ARB at anything like this current price yep. unless you believe there is a reason for that to continue to change now i just finished talking about other companies like bramble saying well look, what do you expect to have change in ARB's case though i think the one thing that might be the shining light for its business is if you look at new car sales they're terrible but if you look at the new cars that are selling they are increasingly the pimped up four-wheel drives, Kashi, that you mm-hmm. rightly talk about. It's the the Ford Rangers, the Toyota Hiluxes, the Mazda BT-50s, the True. Toyota Prados and 200 series. Um, so, you know, the, the the number of cars being sold is declining, but the growth in the proportion of the fleet that is four-wheel drive, and whether people take it off-road and just put the bull bars on to look tough, mm-hmm. doesn't really matter the way i be. They'll sell it to whoever wants to buy and put it on their cars. If, if you believe that trend continues, and I think it will, if the trader ute becomes more and more part of our fleet, um, as, as, of motors, and people are going to spend more money at ARB doing that. I will tell you, uh, this is not inside information, because I, I, it's, it's done from an external source. Uh, you, you may remember, Koshi, you shared uh, pictures of me being fogged uh, when I went out west New South Wales uh, a few yes, months it. ago. Yep. Um, thankfully, thankfully, an ARB bull bar on the front kept me in, in good stead. Uh, and I wanted to get to work done at an ARB. I had to wait two and a half months after oh. I got back to getting, not to fix anything. I was going to add something wow. to the car. Um, but they are super busy. They are really, really busy. In fact, then I went to get, I want to get some driving lights put on. They had to wait another month and a half for that to happen. And that's all, that's, that's happening in October. I haven't done that yet. So, you know, a people like me are spending money. They are super, super busy despite the economic conditions. I reckon this is a long-term winner. Mark's right. The shares look expensive if they don't change. And frankly, I've been waiting a couple of years for things to change. Now, thankfully the shares have gone up while we've waited. So that's lucky because the business hasn't deserved it necessarily. <laughs> yeah. But if you believe, as I do, that the conditions are right for it to emerge back into growth, particularly overseas, but also here, then ARB could be worth buying if you believe it. But as Mark says, you've really got to believe it because history gives you no comfort to say, gee, it's worth paying up for a business that isn't growing.
0: Right. Uh, I have a mate who worked, just retired from ARB and uh, for years he tells me stories of how much people spend on their four wheel drives. Um, And we we go camping with him and of course, he would have the full decked out, look like a, a Sherman tank going down with yeah. everything that uh, that moved on it. Um, it is just extraordinary. People can't travel at the moment overseas. So no, no, you're, you're right. No, that's not you driving That's a tailwind. Yeah, for yeah, them. that's right. And I think Amazing. the other thing, uh,
1: just to add to what Scott said, was the is that their their overseas manufacturing, uh, which is in Malaysia, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. Right. But the, uh, they've uh, they've fixed they've, they've improved their throughput. So they had constraints ah. on their own supply before ah, coronavirus. Right. right. So right. they've streamlined the business. How it's still very positive about it. So, yeah. And the, and the way their share price performed the last year just reinforces his argument yep. that it was you know, that it would have been a mistake to sell it. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, our next stock, uh, Mark, is Southern Cross Electrical Engineer Joram Wants a uh, view on this. I. Didn't know much about the company at all, but it's in, as the name implies, electrical engineering, um, mainly in the uh, in the resources um, sector, the mining sector. Yeah, so it's a contracting uh, yeah.
1: company. I'm not that keen on uh, contracting companies in the in the resources area, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. only because it's very hard to be confident about the reoccurring earnings. Because even a company like Monadelphus, which uh, does a much broader Right. Uh, uh, suite of services,
0: which uh, in that sector was the best company.
1: Although in the last few years, it's it's struggled to perform well. Right, um, very very difficult, I think, because yeah, there's they do a lot. They get a lot of big contracts. These guys, and if you get them, then great. And just assuming you priced it correctly, you can make good money. But they, you don't have a reliable um, income stream necessarily. Yeah. Uh, it's only 111 million market cap, so it's fairly small. Uh, if I look at it, so its growth over 10 years in earnings. Uh, back in 2013, it was making 11 cents a share, and at the moment, it's about four cents a share. Right. So okay. its growth rate over the last four years has been high, but that's off of a negative. So it lost money in 2017. By the way, this is not uh, a, uh, not this is quite typical for the industry yep. in, in, yeah, the, yeah. in the mining services area. Uh, that's the 2016 was end of 16 was the low. Yeah. Uh, so this is very common. And they have grown, they have grown since then, so that looks good. So from a stability point of view, it doesn't look good. But the real killer for us is their return on equity, which is uh, 6.9%. Um, we're on a minimum 10. Right. Uh, so that's a, that's a, a fail right. uh, from a team invest perspective. So it fails on stability, which I can make exceptions for based on that. They're in a cyclical business, mm. uh, but the return on equity is pretty poor. Right. Um, other than that, the return looks good. Uh, because the PE uh, the is at the bottom of its, uh, the bottom quartile uh, of, the, um, of its oh, range at true. 10. Right. So it's okay. on a very low PE and its growth rates ostensibly are sensibly high right. at the moment off a low base. So you, know, you might be able to make money on it, but it's not something we would
0: uh, consider. Okay. Uh, Scott Southern Cross, electrical engineer.
2: Yeah, I have to agree with Mark, if you're looking for a stable business, this is not the place to go looking for them. mining services, any IT services, manufacturing services, business, they are contract businesses, and they live and die on the the success or the health of their customers. Not only that, but we find in bad times, like maybe the things we're going through now, although we yet to see how this plays out, the customers stop pretty quickly spending that discretionary cash. And these mining services or uh, IT services, electrical services, businesses, are stuck with a whole heap of staff and no work. And that makes things really ugly, really fast. And that was kind of Mark's um, allusion to previous years where things just, when they get bad, they get really, really bad. These yeah. are going to be cyclical companies by definition. Look, it's eight times earnings right now. So, you, you know, the, the bargain hunter, in me says, well, maybe, sorry, 10 times, earnings, should say, 10 times. Um, the bargain hunter, in me says, well, maybe this is, you know, there's some value here. Maybe it's time. I, I'm not a trader. Uh, I, I wouldn't trade stocks for a living. I wouldn't try and do short-term trading. It's very, very, very hard to do. Um this is the sort of stock you probably want to be trying to pick a bottom on they're trying to pick a top on and getting it out um good luck if you can do that well but this is not one for the long-term shareholder, simply because not only is, as mark says are they, are they always up for new contracts but these tend to be cost plus contracts or at the very very least they're hyper competitive mm. right so you've got three yeah. or four bidders who want the same bit of work you've got to go with the lowest possible price you can get away with to make sure you get the contract because you miss the contract you make no money if you get the contract, you make a little bit less than a little bit more than no money, I should say. Either way, you're not making much cash. And that's the yep. real challenge for any company in this space is trying to make a decent margin on an ongoing business. Very, very, very difficult. One offs. If you're bespoke, different, you have something else to offer. Maybe uh, this is one I'd buy when it was really cheap, when the market had completely forgotten about it, if you wanted to try and trade your hand. Um, but this is not one for the long term investor.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And with low PEs, it's one of two things. Either it's a hidden gem. Or there's a real reason why there's a low PE <laughs> and, yeah. and it could get lower.
1: <laughs> well, a good, a good example of that, there was a company called Forge, which was a Western Australian engineering group that went right. broke in 2012. That was on an 8 PE when we looked at it. Right. And the financials all looked great, but it turned out that they had a, a contract to build a power station for Rio. Yeah. And it was a fixed price contract with massive penalties for non-completion on time. Oh. And then that was at the time when all the wages were going through the roof right. in the mining services boom. Destroyed the company, got caught. But, but it, you mm. know, it was a perfect example of the pricing was all wrong, or, yeah. or sorry, the terms and conditions of the contract
0: uh, destroyed the company. And, yeah. and it, uh, if you're an investor, how would you know that? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. All right, um, Scott uh, Cameron wants a view on Berkeley Energia, uh, a uranium exploration and development company um, based in Spain, which is uh, very exotic, has a, a few deposits, and a and the, uh, the Salamanca line. What do you think of uh, Berkeley?
2: Tempted to suggest the rain in Spain falls mainly on the yellow cake, Koshi, but uh, that might be twisting <laughs> a bit too far. Look, it's, um, it, it's, here's the problem with here's the problem with any, any, any resource company. I've talked about this a lot before, but uranium in particular. You have to really believe there is going to be a growing market for uranium at a decent price. There is so much uranium available around the world, most from Australia, by the way. You are absolutely betting on more nuclear power. There is no other way to do this when you've got to say... A, there'll be more nuclear power, B, the demand will grow faster than the supply over the very long term. And those things have to be both true and you have to run a great operation that allows you to put it up, bring it up profitably. If you can't tick any of those boxes, let alone two or three of them, that makes it a very speculative investment. This has been a great performer over the most recent past. so that share price graph has been phenomenal, except that there's still really no concrete reason for that growth other than a bit of speculation in the price and a bit of speculation that maybe, just maybe, Berkeley's going to win on this one. Um, those are almost the exact worst times to be jumping on these sort of companies, unless you have reason to believe. As I said, you know what the price is going to be. You know what the demand is going to look like. You know what the operation is going to look like. I don't know how you buy these companies with any reasonable semblance. We, we talked about Brambles earlier. The logistics should have been a great business. We've talked about Qantas and Virgin in the past. I mean, if you'd known airline travel is going to increase, what is it, probably a thousand fold in 40 years, 50 years, you would have mortgaged my house and bought airline stocks. I would have lost a fortune. Because just because the trend is right, just because you have the view the trend is right, even if you're right about the trend. Look, I was right. Airline travels up through the roof. How much money did you make? Absolutely none, because the demand story was an absolute mess. So, I, I, you know, I, I can't see how you can justifiably invest in this one. Again, speculate on the uranium price if you have a view, uh, but just remember that it is, it is outright gambling speculation. Knock yourself out if you want to, but the long-term investor can't yeah. buy this one. Certainly not at the current price. Yeah,
0: and, and Ma- uranium has always been a big story. But never delivered, has I? <laughs> no,
1: no, no. It's it's it's, it's very tough. I'm yeah. I'm actually not that negative about uranium's future. But even if you get all those supply demand considerations right, which I don't believe you can, yeah. um, even the insiders in the industries can't work them out. I've, I've got a mm. friend I play with tennis with who's a director of Glencore, which is the biggest commodity trading company in the world. Well, yes, and he said they can't work it out. Right, and not just uranium generally. You know, yeah. when yeah. they try and work out take a position on where they think a resource price is going to go, so yeah. they got no idea, and they usually get it completely wrong. Oh, and this, well, is biggest, this is the that, biggest. This is the biggest commodity trading house in the world. Uh, so who, they can't work it out. Who's in the job to pun, know? How yeah. can a to work it out? Anyway, yeah. but then the other problem that Scott didn't mention, which I'll add into, is even if that's all true and there is big demand and there so on, can they run the business and can they uh, dig yes. it out and, and make a profit? That's another whole question. Yep. Which we've got no idea. Now, if I look at their earnings, they've lost money forever. I've got ten years' history of losing money, and then for some reason they made ten cents a share in two thousand and nineteen. Then it dropped to minus sixteen in. Um, in uh, uh, 2020, right. and I don't, I don't think it doesn't look like they've ever, they're actually producing anything. I don't think there's any income. So. Right. Okay. So it's more of a, and they actually describe themselves as a resource development company. Right. Um, uh, exploration, re- and they have these, these blocks right. in Spain. But I think it's so still got been, the
0: reserves, doing nothing with it until yeah. And remember the old increases. saying in
1: the mining joke yep. in uh, gold mining in Australia is, "What's the definition of a liar?" Yeah, someone standing next to a hole in the ground and telling you it's full of gold. You know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. All right, so nothing there. Uh, avoid Berkeley uh, Cameron. Um, now, Mark Hussain wants a view on Macmillan uh, Shakespeare. <coughs> um, they're one of these uh, salary packaging uh, fleet management businesses, aren't they? That uh, corporates use around the world. For yes, their stuff? yeah, and it, it's been an a, accountants it, it,
1: historically it's a, it's, a uh, it's been a quality company. I mean, Tim invest. Uh, members were invested in it around the dot-com crash time.
0: All right. And then yeah.
1: they had a problem because it actually has very strong reoccurring income. And so it looked good on all yeah. our metrics. And then uh, Rudd came out with a, uh, a back of envelope uh, or great, drink coaster idea mm-hmm. to, to uh, get rid of, to uh, drop the tax benefit on novated leases and yeah. so on. Yeah. I mean, Mill and Shakespeare did a massive swan dive right. and the share price collapsed. And what it was, it was a really good lesson in the risks of investing in companies that are their business model is based on some sort of government uh, regulation which can be pulled. Right. Now They didn't actually do anything. It was just a thought bubble that Rudd had. And it smashed the the share price. Anyway, then they bought uh, um, GMAC, which was General Motors Acceptance Corporation in the GFC, which what that was is a very low margin uh, finance facility which was used by car dealers and so on, whereas they were in a higher margin services business. So that did did it from our point of view. So we bailed then. So I haven't been in it since. If you look at it now uh, on the numbers, it's got quite good stability of earnings and sales. You're nearly 90%. Uh, Return on equity is 24, so that's good. Uh, Debt to equity, though, is um, quite high. It's about 120%, which is way over what we think is a reasonable um, um, level of debt to equity. Other than that, it passes all our filters. And we're showing it returning. uh, And it's currently on a uh, P-E ratio of uh, 12, which is in Mm -hmm. the green. Green yep. for us means bottom quartile Right. Yep. It's range. Yep. So if you do want to buy something, if you look at the uh, PEs and you can buy in the bottom quartile, uh, preferably, yep. middle middle half at worst, but don't buy it in the red, because yep. it goes there every year. Yep. These are the ranges that individual companies have is a, a good way of uh, beating the market, just by the way. Um, so the price is quite good. Uh, we're showing um, that uh, it needs to um, get, uh, oops, sorry, got the right page on. Um, we've got a target price of $6.27. It's currently eight forty-seven. if you want yep. to get a, a 10% return. Right. Okay.
0: So a bit too high for you. even well, we, the uh, pays... and, and the debt's too high right. for us. Okay. So uh,
1: we, uh, we wouldn't buy it on the debt. Scott?
2: Macmillan's a really difficult one, Koshi. Mark's undergraduate have explained the history of it and, and there were times to buy the company. The challenge is, of course, that You've got to believe that, I mean, you know, the, the change that Rubb was going to make would have effectively permanently decimated the company's mm-hmm. returns. It probably would have gone out of business in that circumstance. Now, maybe it wouldn't have, maybe it would have found a, way, found a way through. But when your entire business is based on a tax lurk, as, as Mark rightly points out, if that goes away, your entire business goes away. Now, in the event it didn't happen, um, I don't know the Labor will be gutsy enough to try it again. The Libs come out against it, they're probably not going to do it. So maybe you look at that and say, well, I've got 10 years of clear air. The problem with it, a little bit like, you know, anything times zero is zero. No matter how long you go for, for gain and gain and gain and gain, you go for 10 years. And if in year 11, if, if all of a sudden this goes away and goes away, you really are struggling to try and find out what's left of the business. That is the risk that investors take permanently. Now, every business has got regulatory risks. Every business has got legislative risks. We've seen sovereign risk with some miners in, in Asia in particular, for example. Um, these things happen. The question is you got to work out how big a deal is it and how much does it threaten the company or your investment and in McMillan shakespeare's case it is the business the business doesn't exist there is no there is no plan b there is no other part of the business that will take over um it literally only takes advantage of the tax rule now you know anyone's guess as to whether it goes away but you have to remember that, that's the risk you're taking every day you wake up. You hope no one's announced a change to the tax rules. Um, if it happens, then you're in trouble. That being said, 11 times earnings, not particularly expensive for Mill and Shakespeare in my view. Um, I think you know we're also in a depressed economic circumstance. New car sales are down. Part of that's gonna be corporate. Uh, part of that's obviously the, the packaging component for the people who buying the cars using their, their their salary or otherwise. So you know, again, if you're kind of an investor who wants to look through this and say, will new car sales recover? Almost certainly. Will take a while probably but if it does and when it does does Macmillan kind of do really well out of that probably does so i would be cautiously optimistic on this one as long as you're prepared to take the risk and literally i mean you know when i say that it's not a it's not a it's not a joke it's, you know you are literally taking the risk of the business is meaningfully destroyed by any tax changes um but if i was a betting man i'd say we're, we're a good five or six years away from that because of the Rudd experience um and I, in, in the meantime i would expect some sort of recovery so over the medium term i tend to think millen probably beats the market. So i would say it's a buy uh, but you just want to keep your eye very closely on right. the business itself, on the price, and of course, any rumour changes to government policy.
0: Okay. All right. Um, let's just uh, recap the uh, the first five stocks. We're halfway through the call at the moment, uh, including our stock of the day, Avita, which is the Boone technology business. Um, if anything, a speculative buy, if you're, if you're interested in that area from Mark, a no from Scott, Bramble's a no from both. Um, ARB uh, really well-run company, uh, too expensive for Mark. Uh, Scott says if you're a believer in the business, yes, um, it's a buy. Uh, Southern Cross Electrical a no. Berkeley Energy a no. And Macmillan Shakespeare a no from Mark, and uh, you know yes a buy from uh, Scott. Now here on the call, we have uh, been tracking our own portfolio since July one. Whenever a stock gets a unanimous thumbs up from both our experts, we stick it in our little portfolio. Let's see how it's all been performing. If you look at the uh, the week, we're down just over 1% for the month, up 2%. And uh, since the 1st of July, up just over 9.25%. Um, and if you wanna take a look at some of the stocks that have been added over the last week or two, by our various panels, RPM Global, United Malt, uh, Santos, Goodman Group, and Big Tin Can uh, have been put into the portfolio. A number have been uh, dropped off as well, uh, including zero uh, yesterday. Uh, You can check uh, all of the stocks we have in the calls portfolio, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. We update it every day. Uh, The reason is that, and if um, a stock in the portfolio comes up and doesn't, maintained its unanimous thumbs up from uh, the uh, our two experts, it goes out of the portfolio. And it's a, a way of just telling the story. Investing has always been keeping up to date that things change within organisations. Um, also coming up this afternoon on uh, uh, Tony Abrahams, the Chief Executive of Access Innovation, uh, better known as uh, AI Media, scheduled to list on the ASX today. Um, Tony joins us live at 3:20 PM on the Pulse. So uh, a lot coming up on OzBiz during the afternoon. Um, let's get into uh, the next five stocks you suggested us take a look at for this edition of the call. And Scott uh, Taylor wants a view on Adairs, the retailer, the Manchester and homewares retailer in Australia and New Zealand, um, has been a real beneficiary of the lockdowns, hasn't it? And uh, and buying online
2: it really has it's been a great time to be a discretionary retailer despite expectations to the contrary uh, the combination of white-collar workers largely keeping their jobs in a heap absolute heap of government stimulus has meant retail sales is up uh, but other than that it's very very hard to drive meaningful growth and so you're not going to expect big big growth from adairs the flip side for an investor perspective the p is only 13 times so you're not actually paying a lot and the business has done relatively well performance wise in the last two or three years so it's kind of you know it's it's a bit of a middling business. I look, I, I like good discretionary retailers. I you know, I, I'm a big fan of premier investments, for example. Kogan, I mentioned JB Hi Fi has done extraordinarily well. But the also runs can do really badly. And we don't go many more than three or four weeks normally between hearing about the next or the last retail collapse. You know, whichever yeah. companies just hit the wall. It's incredibly tough to make money to have a really meaningful competitive advantage and drive meaningful profits. So Adair's it's you know it feels pretty reasonably priced right now as in you know about fair um, it's not a great business it doesn't deserve a great pe nor is it a terrible business and it's not a terrible pe so i don't think i'd buy it to beat the market right now but i wouldn't run away from the stock if i owned it particularly if you have a particularly good long-term view my concern probably if anything Koshy is that the last six months have been really good for these sort of businesses and repeating that feat next year is going to be tough
0: yep and um really good point that scott makes mark isn't it that, that when you put a DES, you've got to put it in that retail sector yep. of of your portfolio, and you, you don't, your portfolio isn't 100% in retail, so no. you might have... We shouldn't three, be. Yeah, no, it shouldn't <laughs> be. You should only have maybe two or three stocks in it. Yeah. Does this make your top two or three? That's right. that's right.
1: And that's a good way to look at it, because uh, what we do at Team Invest too, we, we filter the market on performance, not by sector. Right. And what happens is whatever area is doing well at the time will be out... Uh, out represented. Right. Okay. Like at the moment, the um, there's quite a few fund managers, for instance, like Magellan and others that pass ah. because funds industry's done well. Yep. yep and Ditto yep, with retail, yep. uh, with uh, AX1, Nick Scarly and so on. These guys. Yep. In fact, these guys bottomed out at 44 cents and are back at three dollars. So they're They're their growth since March yep. is far higher Phenomenal. than uh, some of the other ones that we've invested in. Yeah. But you made a good point. How many retailers do you want in your portfolio? I like retail, and the reason I like it is uh, well, I mean, historically, it's a hard area. I totally agree with everything Scott said about that. But it's, at least it's cheap based on their earnings. Right. You know, it's very difficult to get decent earnings growth at a P of 10 or 12 or 13. It's, it's just not there in any other area. Yeah. So, assuming you believe that they can maintain their earnings going forward and I think there is a question mark over a lot of them for the next year because how much of a, a bump have they had through JobKeeper and so on and how much will it come yep. back. Yep. Uh, yep. You really need to look at how good the operator is and what its history is. Yep. So Dares for us has never passed and the reason it doesn't pass is its debt's too high. It's got 99% debt to equity. Oh. Uh, we're an absolute max of 75 and we for retail we prefer no debt. Right. Um, right. Nick Scali's got, well the, Nick Scali's debt's gone up very high now because of the uh, lease issue. And by the way, that's probably why Adairs is up at 99. Right, right. You know, the reclassification of leases as debt. Ah, so I'll just, right, I'll re- okay. Yeah, uh, but the yeah. other thing is uh, the stability of earnings growth is below our minimum. Right. So they've been a bit all over the shop yep. uh, over the years, nowhere near as stable as say an AX1 or Scarly, which is nearly linear yep. in growth. So we put a lot of weight on consistency of the growth rate because we've proven that that goes to future earnings. So the more consistent a company grows at, we use six years as the optimal they're more likely it is to maintain that going forward. Right. So okay. a company that's up and down like yo-yo, how do you predict it? Yeah. And you yeah. go, oh, Absolutely. it was down here because of that. Oh, it was up here because of that. And you go, well, that's just all great. Right. But you know, how does that? How do I predict what I'm going to earn, and therefore should I allocate my money to it? Yeah. So for me, Adidas looks pretty cheap. I agree with Scott, but it doesn't meet our
0: hurdles. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you for that suggestion, Taylor. Now, Mark, Stephanie wants a view on AUB Group. This is uh, um, a roll-up of. Uh, By the sound of it, uh, insurance brokers around the country. Steadfast is a similar uh, Yeah, well, these these guys were
1: in the market long before Steadfast. Right.
0: So Steadfast basically came in to compete against them. Right. Um, So all the little insurance brokers... Basically, get together and they. Well, come. what what AUB do is they they um
1: they they don't buy the whole business in a lot of cases. They buy into the business, right? And then they provide all the services, uh, consolidated access to premium. You know, a whole whole yeah. range. They make the broker's life easy. Yeah. And they market under a brand. Right. So it's actually a very stable uh, business. It's passed uh, t- Team Invest filters and Conscious Investor, you know, f- for a long time. Um, it's got very high stability. So this is a. It's a kind of business that it's mainly businesses brokering they're doing, so like pubs and so on, a right. lot of regional stuff as well, a yep. lot like in Queensland. Right. It's based in Queensland. So not really private or personal insurance. No, no, no. no it's all, it's it's all, all business brokerage. Yep. And now we know we, we know there's been big hits on um, uh, small business, so I don't know how that's going to come through and affect them yep. over the next year because a lot of businesses are going broke, and when JobKeeper comes off, so you'd argue that may be a bit of a headwind for them. Yeah. Um, but they're currently showing about ten percent, ten point four percent return. At the current uh, the current PE, which is um, current PE is 20, so it's in the red, yeah. so it's not cheap at the moment. But it, it has been a, a quality company, and I think it's the kind of business that has been very reliable. And if you buy it at the right price, uh, and for the, for me, I would say that would be sub 16 PE. Right. Um, then um, you know it's it's a reliable earner.
0: Right.
2: Okay.
1: But
0: too expensive at the moment. A little bit. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Scott.
2: Tempted to just say, I've got nothing to add and let you move on, Koshi, but I'll try and I'll try and justify my spot on the panel by adding uh, a few more thoughts. <laughs> Look, uh, no, Mark's dead right. The, 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 this is the Osbroker's business now called AUB Group. Um, it, it's a business that has done really well. It's grown earnings and, and, and profits you know, meaningfully over time. Steady, slow, but decent growth. Uh, two probably two questions. The first is how much growth is really left without issuing meaningful shares, taking more debt to do those roll-ups? and There's only so long a roll-up can continue. Uh, and then organically, how much growth is left? Great sector to be in. You want to be in business insurance broking because it's just a really simple process, much easier than trying to do individual personal insurance. Um, and you can the, the ROIs are much better on the on the policies you write because they're generally higher price. So you get some value out of that. Good business to be in. So can't can't knock the business at all. I just wonder how much upside there is at 22 or 23 PE, as Mark's already mentioned. So realistically, you know, good business, but you don't want to be paying a stupid price for a moderate growth business. Uh, And I've got to say, more than 20 times for AUB, uh, again, you know, will it it go up? Maybe. Is it a market beater? Because that's what we're here here to do. I don't think so. I think that's the big one.
0: Better opportunities elsewhere. Um, Is a better opportunity Sonic Healthcare, uh, Scott, Annika wants to know. Uh, The International Diagnostic Pathology um, Business Laboratories Medical uh, Group. A few of these in the market, too, aren't there?
2: Yeah, this. I mean, this is a. If you look at the share price chart, this has been phenomenal. Just a steady grind upwards in a really, really positive way over, over the really long term. Really, really good results from Sonic. Um, it's in a really attractive part of the market too. We talked a little bit about government changes and and regulations before when it comes to Mill and Shakespeare. Sonic gets the other side of this one. They they really do benefit from the medical system the way it's currently designed. Now there is always chance that there are changes and there have been mooted and they even even proposed changes in the past. Um, there was going to be, or there was some small changes in the rate of Medicare reimbursement, for example, for some of its services that were partly reversed. So you've always got that risk, and the cost of the healthcare budget remains one of the biggest challenges for government. So keep that on your radar. But hard to hard to fault Sonic's performance, hard to fault the share price performance as well over the last uh, ten or so years. If you've been a long-term Sonic shareholder, you've done very, very nicely. With really other than the occasional bump, uh, hard to hard to see really where the business has struggled. Just continues to grind away and 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 get growth and growth and growth. Um, again the same kind of question how much is left it's in a growth industry we're spending more money on health every single year that's not going to change we're getting older we're getting um, in some cases healthier in some cases less healthy but plenty of opportunity for sonic to do plenty more tests diagnostic imaging all that kind of mm. stuff so it's it's in a really really nice part of the market as long as there's no meaningful government change around regulation of prices i think it's probably a buy for me um, if there's any concern it is the price i think you want to be a little bit careful there um but uh, you know and again, maybe you question how much growth is left, how much market share is left yep. to gain. Those two things remain the, the, the downsides or the risks. Uh, other than that, I'd probably say it's a buy. I think.
0: Okay, and um, they're in the U.S., Germany, Switzerland, U.K., Belgium, Ireland, and New Zealand. So they've been getting that growth overseas. Hopefully, yeah. continue. It, it, Mark, it, it, it's actually
1: quite a big business. It's yeah, uh, 15 billion, 15 billion market cap. Yep. So it's not small. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not. It's not one that's ever excited us. Um, the uh, current price is too high. It's in the top quartile of the red for us, which is on a 28 PE at right. the moment, which it's actually, it has a fairly tight trading range, Sonic. It's not uh, the, to get into the green is $24. So right. that's down from 32. So it's only $8 lower to get into the bottom quartile. Right. And to get a, a 10% return, uh, you need to pay no more than... Um, uh, sorry, okay. So if you want a ten percent, we're showing it between three percent at the moment.
0: Right. Okay.
1: Uh, its earnings growth running about four and a half percent. So it's not. It's only. It's above inflation, but it's not a spectacular growth rate. But it's quite stable. Yeah. So so this comes back to therefore what you want is predictability. So if I'm confident that Sonic is going to get a growth rate the same for the next five years, then the only question is how Much I pay for it, what multiple to to, will dictate what my return is, right? So, if I wanted a 10%, and basically, 10% is our default minimum. Yeah, I don't know why you'd buy anything if you thought you're gonna get less than 10% return. Um, then that would need to bring it down to about uh 20, 25, 20, the high 24s, right? For us, okay, can it go down to the high 24s? Absolutely, it was down at about
0: 22 or something in March. March,
1: Uh, So, I'd like it, but it's just too expensive,
0: okay? All right, um. Keeping on the medical side of things, um, uh, Mark uh, Ashley wants a view on Cochlear, one of our – so if you if you class our big three medical technology businesses as CSL, probably ResMed and Cochlear would be the, the big three. Cochlear Absolutely. is a bionic ear yeah, yeah. Uh, around the world.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, CSL and Cochlear are the two international champions. Yes. If you like. Yeah, oh, yeah. Maybe a ResMed too. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we like Fisher and bit better than ResMed. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, Cochley uh, has been a team invest wealth winner for uh, a long time, you know, the right. last 10 years. So a lot of members are shareholders, it's got very stable um, earnings and uh, and sales. It's, it's still a global market leader. Mm. Um, it's not totally transparent what their market share is, it doesn't really matter.
0: Yeah. The
1: point is they've been growing their earnings at about 11% a year. Yep, uh, consistently with very high stability, so that's very predictable. They recently had a major loss from a court case on a patent infringement. Now, these sort of guys are in patent arguments all the time, you know, because right. like, someone tries to copy. nothing unusual about that. Yep, uh, but they lost about it was about four hundred million, I think, all mm. up. And they put a they contested it and uh, challenged it, and uh, appealed, and they lost the appeal, and that cost them another twenty million in legal fees, I right. think. So that was okay. a bit unfortunate. Yeah, that's about a year's profit. Yeah. It didn't hit the shares at all, from what mm. I could see, which surprising i mm. thought it might have been a good buying opportunity mm. the last really good buying opportunity we had for cochlear was uh, when they had their recall about 6 6 or 7 years ago right would have been t- and uh, share price dropped 50% wow. so there's times where even blue chip companies like cochlear you can buy at a, yep. a bargain price right now we're showing it returning 12.6% okay at the uh, sorry 10.6% at the current share price which is in the middle black. So it's about a bit less than halfway on its range. Right, uh, okay. On its normal PE so range. That, that and if that you wanted to buy it area. in the green, which is the uh, bottom quartile, yeah. you'd be at $180. Right. So it's not that far off. Yeah. Yep. So I'd, I'd have to say is a buyer.
0: Right, okay. Even now, yeah. Um, Scott, what do you think of Cochlea?
2: Gosh, we have our first uh, addition to the call portfolio for today. Because I'm also <laughs> going to say, oh well, it. good. <laughs>
0: in, in fact, in fact, it's already there, so it stays oh, there, oh, which is oh, which hey, is no, great. That's <laughs> that's lucky, that's
2: lucky. All right. So I, d- I don't
0: tell people when there's a stock already in the portfolio because I did it about two weeks ago, and the person went to change their opinion. Go, oh, I don't want to be responsible for it falling out of the portfolio. <laughs> But, but that's, you know, you've got to give your view on the current information. I don't think you've know, you got that problem with Scott and myself. Uh, no, definitely not. <laughs> Scott, you still like it at this price?
2: I do, mate, I do. Look, I think the story for Cochlear is, is it, it, I don't want to overdo this one, but I think it's a multi-decade story. I think yeah. if you think about the, ra- yeah. the the march of technology, if you think about the size of the company's current market and the growth of that market, think about the developing world, right? As China and India become more affluent, there will be more available options for their for their customers their, their patients really to choose and that will be largely a cochlear or similar type solution that remains a huge huge tailwind for a very very long term the technology will continue to improve and as i've mentioned before it, it's kind of got customers for life right because if you get something implanted in your brain it's there it's you know it's not coming out anytime soon at least but not hopefully and that means new sound processes new servicing new equipment all that kind of stuff uh, you know, I, mean, I don't want to sound too uh, too mercenary about it. It's, it's far no. more important these people are getting there. It's, so, hearing it's restored, like software
0: with a service. If you've got it there even, even as str- a service. It's a very str- strong moat. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've know, yeah,
2: like you you got to go the Yeah. As a 70 or 80-year customer, if you're picking up people from birth, right? The kids that are getting put in at two, three, four, and five, in theory, are still there 50, 70 years later. So look, you know, yeah. I mean, you don't you don't want to make too strong a deal of that, but if you think about those sort of tailwinds the business has got, re- retention of customers, growth of markets, um, I think it's a really long-term growth success story. It's never going to be cheap, I don't think. If it ever is, by the way, jump on the shares. Um, it had it had a recall well, a few years ago now, and the shares dipped meaningfully. We held our nerve then. We'll hold our nerve next time it drops as well, unless and until it loses that brand privilege. And that's really the risk. Is if if the yeah. specialists, if the practitioners start to say Cochlear is no longer best in breed, you do you do want to start worrying. But as long as it retains that technological advantage and that brand preference, this is a long-term growth story for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, and even in March, it really didn't <laughs> didn't drop much like the rest of the market. did But it? but it shouldn't. Yeah, it's like
1: yeah. CSL, yeah. The same thing. Yeah. It didn't. Why would it? You yeah, yeah. say, well, coronavirus. Yeah. Why would that hurt? Now, what it did do is it hurt cochlear because all the hospitals uh, got requisitioned for, for yeah. emergency for, so, uh, no, for uh, intensive care. Yeah. So all the uh, what they've had is a big drop in sales yeah. because they've all, all the surgeries of a book were put on hold. Right. So what'll happen now is that one, as the hospitals start opening up the volume right. will go up.
0: So next year, I think they'll, they'll have a bump a year because well. there'll be a big catch-up period. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, We had CSL, Scott, come up uh, just the other day and a comment was made, if you can pick any CSL, keep it as a proper portion of your portfolio, don't go overboard, but if you can pick CSL up in the 280s, oh, that's right. just, it's a core part of your portfolio for the next five or 10 years. There's a, there's I think less that's right, with, I think.
2: Sorry, Scott. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, Scott. I got my
1: Oh, there's a good lesson in this too, which uh, Scott does lots of lessons, so I should do some too. Uh, and and my, my example with Cochlear is uh, I bought it on the recall. The share price dropped to below 50. Yeah. So I bought wow. a decent amount and then I sold out at 130 or something because right. uh, I thought it was too expensive and now will look at it. You know, and the moral of the <laughs> story is you know, the when you can buy a really, really quality company like Cochlear or CSL that is a total market leader and has yep. fantastic moats yep. and, and brilliantly run, keep it. Yep. Don't worry about the share price. Right. Because you don't get a chance to buy back in. Yeah. Uh, that's the problem. It yeah. becomes you know, people think, Oh, yeah. it's expensive, I'll sell it and then I'll yeah. buy back in which is trading. But on these sorts of stocks it doesn't work. Yeah. You know, yeah. Some some stocks that are like as we talked about contractors and so on, which are really cyclical, maybe. Yeah, you know, maybe going yeah. to make the work there, but not with these sorts of businesses. Yeah. It's really and, an
0: accumulation strategy. Yeah. Should be your approach. And and Scott, is that the same with C S L in the two eighties?
2: I can't be quite as confident on CSL, Kosh. You know, right. I, I take Mark's point. My, my biggest concern is I can see Cochlear's future, right? I'm not, not perfectly, not with any great crystal ball predictions, but I can kind of see what it's going to keep doing. CSL, what's always concerned me at such a high PE, and Mark's right, I, I've been wrong for ages because I've, I've held this view for ages I've been wrong the whole time, is, is just that question of, you know, in, in five years' time, what's it doing to grow meaningfully to justify that PE? You know, how many more products can it bring out? All that kind of stuff. I just I can't see that clearly enough be Really right. confident the current buys Cochlear or I can? Yeah, I think
1: okay. Cochlear is uh, a better, a a better, benefit, buy a better cost says, benefit yeah. risk at the moment. Oh, CSL okay. for that's me, a good way to, to answer that question that Scott said. I think CSL will justify it if they're successful with some of these uh, stage three trials they've got with their heart drugs. And so, I've got, they've yep. got a lot of very prospective drugs and so on, right. which potentially are all big, right. but if they don't, they're, they're risks, you can yep. say that's speculative within CSL.
0: Yep, okay. Yeah. Uh, final stock, uh, Ruby wants a view, Scott, on Resimac Group. They're the, uh, um, basically the, the mortgage lender, is it?
2: Yeah, this is a fascinating company, Kosh. I haven't looked at this one for ages. I'm not a big fan of banks, as your, as your viewers will know. Um, Resimac, though, is set, trading at seven and a half times earnings. And I've got to say, it, there is something of the latent value investor room that looks at that and goes, oh, man, there's got to be something there, right? Now, on the other <laughs> hand, we've seen the banks with massive, massive provisions. Resimac had to increase its own provisions. Uh, We know that people are still on home loan deferrals. They're on repayment deferrals. News yesterday from the Bankers Association that credit reports won't be impacted until, I think it's June next year. Um, We're in a really, really difficult situation. Macquarie Bank out yesterday with a 35% fall in profit. And then you look at Resimac and say, with all that, is this really the financial company I want to buy? I can't quite get myself there, mate, for all of those reasons, but I have to say, um, this, you know, the homeloans.com.au business is new and I think they will do good business with that. Direct to consumer is a smart way to go to try and cut out the middleman quite literally when it comes to other brokers. It all makes sense. And at seven times, earnings, man, a lot's got to go wrong. The problem is it could. And when you're a small lender without implicit government support, without the ability to kind of call on more capital. I mean, if CBA wants to raise money, it could probably raise capital four times a year for the next three years and shells will throw cash at it. If you resume Mac trying to do the same thing, you're kind of going to go, well, I'm not entirely yeah. sure I want to be in this in this business, in this, you know, buy more shares when it's distressed. And I think yeah, that's really the real risk. really good point, I, okay. I, yeah, look, I want, to, I want to be positive on it. I, I just think it's probably too risky for my blood, particularly at the, the current point in the economic cycle.
0: Yep,
1: All right. Um, yes, no, I agree with that. I think um, it's um, it's interesting that the P, even though the PE appears really low, it's always had a low PE. Right. So I just ah. looked at their last, the 12 month high was 8.9 and the low was 2.3. So it's currently seven. Right. Know, so it's actually towards it's the, high. the top end <laughs> yeah. of it. Wow. For it, which yeah. is a very low. Now that part could be partly because it's not as well known or people don't uh, know about it perhaps. Yeah. Um, they have a, they've got a lot of debt on their own account. Now I, I read a bit about them. They do securitize the debt. So these guys yeah. aren't a broker. Right. You know, they're actually a, they, uh, le- they, they them. finance themselves. Right. So, so, which is a, yeah. You know, Take it, take it how you like it. It means they're taking the credit risk. Now, yeah. when they securitize, that means you sell off the debt in a part in in portfolios and so on, and reduce yeah. it. But I'm showing them a five thousand percent debt to equity. So okay. they've got a lot of debt on their balance sheet. Right. So that that is a big risk when you don't have a, any sort of clarity or uh, view of what's happening with their um, uh, portfolio as far as delinquencies and so on, which yeah. we're in a dangerous. Yep. Period for that, sure. So that would leave me cold. <coughs> um, their earnings growth rate has actually been quite strong over the last uh, last, well, particularly the last year. It's, it doesn't make much sense. It Was actually earnings mm. were dropping and then it spiked up massively, right? In uh, two twenty, which might have been an acquisition okay. they made. They bought, right. they bought a company called um, uh, fifteen. They bought fifteen percent of Positive Group, which specialises in
0: asset finance for consumers, right? And small okay. businesses. So don't. Right. Mean, so I know on ResiMac, yep. Mac. Let's. Yep. Uh, uh, just recap the final five stocks. Uh, Adair's uh, uh, a no um, from Mark. Um, if you're in them, hold them because uh, you've had a good run up uh, for Scott, but wouldn't be buying at this gro- at this level. AUB Group a no. Sonic Health uh, Care a no from Mark. A yes from Scott. Uh, both really like Cochlear. It stays in the, the calls portfolio and a no for Resume. Uh, Mark Morland from Team Invest, good to see you. Good to see you uh, too. Scott Phillips, uh, enjoy the uh, the gentrification of the Southern Highlands. <laughs> we Will do, no, thank you, Kashi. <laughs> thank mate Scott Phillips from Motley Fool there. And also a regular on uh, weekend sunrise as well. Don't forget to catch him there. Uh, that's our show for today. Any stocks you'd like us to cover, flick us an email, thecall at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at Ausbiz tv handle a reminder if you want to see the stocks in the calls portfolio osbiz.co forward slash portfolio um, and if you want to know what's going on at the end of the day what's been happening in business and finance sign up to the cob newsletter close of business it has Scuddy and nadine bring you all the very latest of what's happened during the day it's in your inbox at 5:30 p.m eastern monday to friday Go to Osbiz.co slash join. And Startup Daily Show between two and three uh, today. uh, Aaron Hornleman from uh, Alenium, who pivoted the company to offer COVID fighting technology at airports, uh, joins the Osbiz team between two and three. uh, Sorry, the Startup Daily Show team between two and three this afternoon. It's a fascinating business. So as you can see, plenty more to come on Osbiz. Stick around.